Hello, podcast listeners. This is VA. I just wanted to start off this episode with a little bit of an editorial note. We recorded this episode on Sunday morning, and since then, the Bruins have held, well, I should say, the Bruins Cam Neely held a press conference about the Mitchell Miller signing, and it was full of uh, really poor answers. So the Mitchell Miller saga is not quite over, and with Miller yet to meet with the AHL commissioner, and with the Bruins not being able to just exactly expunge the contract, which was filed with the NHL on Saturday, the Bruins are still in a bind, and they still have this player signed, and even though... Gary Bettman said he'll never play in the NHL, and the Bruins know that he'll never play, but they have rescinded the offer, whatever that means. They still have the contract on the books, and there are possibilities of how they can handle that, but nobody quite knows what they are. So I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. But then also, we don't know what's going to happen within the organization, if anything at all, because this whole thing has been just kind of a nightmare. But rest assured, we still stand by the players because they had nothing to do with this. And we hope that they continue to play their hearts out despite the the actions of the front office. With that, here's the episode. It's Barely on Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely on Topic. We're here for episode 804, recording on Sunday, November 6th? 6th. I don't know what the date 6th. is. Why would I know? All I know is it's 72 degrees outside and very humid, so it doesn't feel like November, never mind the 6th of November. Anyway, uh, we are a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans, and I am VA, and I am here with Tim. Hello, hello. And Jeff, at long last. Greeting. And greetings, folks. Yes. He was off on a cross-Canada trip with his young family. And, and, and Yeah, um, can't strongly recommend driving 12 hours for uh, on two consecutive days with a six-week-old and a dog that doesn't particularly like riding in the riding shotgun <laughs> because she doesn't fit. It's great. Really great. And without Tuca. That's true. Tuca did not travel. And she missed her daddy. She's very, very up in this this, uh, podcast right now. She's like... I mean, she loves video calls, though. She always is. But, like, this is... (laughs) She's extra flirty today. So... Okay, so it's good to have Jeff back. Nick today is... uh, Well, he just... Yeah, he (laughs) said he wasn't feeling well. So we gave him the day off. I thought it was funny how he asked, because you don't have to ask. You just say, not feeling great, guys. But that was very nice and cordial of him. Anyway, you know, there's a lot to talk about today. We have a lot of good stuff to talk about. We have some bad stuff to talk about. And we have some really ugly stuff to talk about. So we're going to start off with the good, because I feel so happy for this team and I'm talking about the team, not the organization. But the team. feel really good about the team today. Even though they lost to Toronto last night, that's fine. My first thought is this. Hampus Lindholm. 
I love him so much. Where, where the hell is any of this coming from? Like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, you said I would love him. Mandy said I would love him. And then I saw that he was six foot four. And I'm like, of course I'm going to love him. And he's so charming and funny and all these things. But he's a 200 foot legend, guys. Mere, we're mere days away from having a the, him and, and McAvoy on top pairing here. Oh my god! Oh and this version god. of Lindholm with any version of McAvoy, hot damn, hot fucking damn. That <laughs> trade looks better and better every day. Even if Lindholm's not having an especially spectacular day, like he didn't have an spectacular night last night. But, but like seriously, like like that that trade, like now it's like it seems steep at the time, and then the extension's like okay. But I mean, ultimately it was the first two seconds and Erho who was nothing. Yeah. Poor Urho. Poor Urho. I mean, like, I think at this point, at this point, Urho's optimistic time, optimistic arc is foreboard, and that ain't gonna happen because he doesn't play that way. Which we'll get to that too, because holy fuck. Well, also, yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lindholm is a 200 foot legend. He showed in two games this week in two different ways how he could be a 200 foot legend. But that game on Tuesday night against the Penguins was crazy. It was bonkers. It was Crazy Pants Banana Town or Banana Town, Crazy Town Banana Pants. It was all that. It was just wow. First of all, I wasn't happy with, with uh, Crosby right off the gate, uh, right off the the schneid just boom scoring but then you know what i have a lot of faith in this team i know that being down a goal two goals hell even three goals isn't really just calm down it's okay and olmark was not having a good night to start it was gonna happen it was going to happen he is gonna have nights where he's gonna be a little shaky even the Vasilevskys and Shesterkins of the world shit the bed from time from one night or another. Like, it happens. Right, right. So I'm not going to sit here and do a lot of criticism there. It happens. Being a goalie is not easy. So I do remember the ESPN broadcasters several times saying that Jim Montgomery said that they had the worst morning skate they've had this season. Just huh. before. Ray Ferraro said it like two or three times, and he also yeah. mispronounced Ulmark's name. It is not Linus; it is Linus. Okay, I just want to say this one thing about Linus Ulmark. You know how they would do the, you know, Ron Poster would play the the Tuca, you know, chant. He'd, he'd yeah. play the musical thing, and then we'd say Tuca. We should really be going Uli or Ulmark during that. Now we should. I I need to talk to him somehow and and tell him to do that and try to find a way to put it on the on the board so we can say that because honestly or if it's swayman say sway amen because i miss it i mean and i i want to yell a goalie's name my guess is they didn't they, this hasn't become a thing yet because we came into the season assuming we'd have an, another 50 50 split now clearly for a variety of reasons some of which developed this week that's not going to happen Right. Certainly, one of my bold predictions, not looking so hot right now. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. But that's okay. It, it's a long season. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, Olmark had a, a tough night to start. He ended up getting pulled after the Penguins scored four unanswered goals in the second. <laughs> now, keep in mind, okay, this is a negative view of the game. 
Quill came back to score, and so Lauko got his first goal, his first NHL goal, thanks to Uncle Nick. Uncle Nick, who is there to celebrate with him, and Felino is having a time because he hasn't had to rehab. Apparently, he was able to work out over the summer. He looks like a different player. He's had a good couple of games this week, and he's looked good this this season in comparison. You may not mm-hmm. like how how much he's being paid, but ignore that right now. Just talk about what he's doing because he's doing a lot of stuff. Well, Mark got pulled late in the second, just before Marshy did his power play goal thing, which is his thing lately. But then Swayman got hurt. And uh, and Mark went back in and, and delivered. Yes. Like, but that's, that's rare. Like on the, uh, there's other games I've seen where goalie gets pulled and has to go back in and it does not improve. Nope. So that, that's that's really impressive. <laughs> I would like to think on a personal level, he saw Swayman go down and everybody's heart sank, you know, because Swayman is such a, a likable guy and we love him and to see him get hurt. And poor Bergie. Oh, my God. Bergie was so upset because he slid into to Swayman and Swayman got caught at that uh, that awkward angle. And, you know, it's not. It's not Bergie's fault any and uh, in any way, but Bergie was so distressed about it. He called for a medic right away, um, you know, or a trainer right away, and it, they got him up off the ice and stuff. So we'll talk about Swayman a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I would like to think that Ulmark, after seeing that, just was like, "Get your head together. It's a different game now. Go out, do your thing." And he played like a different player. It's like. You know how it's like sometimes it takes a goal or two for the, the goalie to really just kind of snap into it, into the game and snap out of what uh, they uh, were. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess he needed to have um, like five goals scored on him before that happened. But that's OK, because this Bruins team is not last year's Bruins team or even the year before that. This is a different Bruins team, right? Um, honestly, I haven't seen a Bruins team that's quite this much of a wagon since that 13, since the 13-14 President's Cup team. Right, right. Uh, this team is fun. This team does not get down. So Marshy just started off the, the scoring. Then we had Zaka come in. And, and by the way, Lindholm had points on both of those goals, the Marshy and the Zaka goal. And then Hall. Oh, my God. He, got, he had a point on that one, too, because Hall tied it up. And we went into overtime. And despite the fact that Lindholm was called for some penalty, I think it was tripping or something, in overtime, he came back out of the box and he went end to end. Not right away. I mean, there were some seconds that lapsed there, but he came out of the box and he went end to end and won the freaking game. Boom. I it was just <sighs> stud. I was so hot for him that night. <laughs> yeah the power of sweden was strong yes amazing 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 in fact the next day uh our friend ellen said oh uh because i i said oh i i'm in love with with hampus lindholm and she goes is that why hampus lindholm in all capitals was in my trending box on twitter i'm like maybe <laughs> i want the only one i'm not the only one oh so Jeff, you must be very happy about this because for years, like Lindholm is one of those players that just like made sense for so long. Mm-hmm. And he knew it. 
And you know what's interesting too is even going into this offseason, a lot of the numbers people were like, I don't know, his numbers have been pretty bad for a few years. It's like, well, yeah, but Anaheim, but but, but late stage Anaheim. Yeah. And he was the little he was the little boy with his thumb in the freaking dike for years in late stage Anaheim. Yep. You can't blame that on him. But even Hampus Lindholm acknowledged that Boston was a place that he wanted to be because I went back and watched the interview from when he was traded. And he, uh, you know, so he thought that Boston made sense for him. And he also said that Anaheim gave him more money. They offered him more money, but less term. And Boston said, you know, we'll give you eight years. And that's how they got the AAV down to like 6.5. I would say the the term is probably actually was probably a move by Verbeek to forcibly forcibly justify the trade because it was time for him to go scorched earth on that roster. (laughs) Right. Well... You know what? I don't care about the term. I know that my next jersey is going to be a Lindholm, and he's here for a long time, so I'm happy about that. And I hope he, he's I was say, just... Him and, him, him and McAvoy as, a, as the top pairing for the uh, foreseeable future is, is just, it's, just gets my jimmies all rustled in a good way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but for years, for years you've wanted him, uh, Lindholm here, so he's here. So, woohoo! Um, now the bad thing that happened in this game, of course, was Derek Forbert. Again, we're going to talk about him in a little while. So Forbert and Swayman went down in this game. Not great for lots of reasons. And Forbert went down early and that's what's really sad about it to me. So Thursday, the game against the Rags. Now we didn't make predictions last week. I, I forgot about that until I was listening to the the podcast while editing. I was like, oh crap, we didn't make predictions of what we thought the team would do. Yeah, so Jeff, in the second episode, we just kind of, uh, we just made some gentle predictions about what we thought. Like, we didn't get very specific. We just thought, how is the team going to do this week? And and I said three and one that week, and I was right. I said, I thought they'd have problems with the Wild, but it was the Senators that gave them all the the problems. And Tim was right about that one, but that's okay. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so the rags. I thought the rags would be really troublesome. I did. I mean, I knew that each game this week was going to be a test. We said that many times, but the Rangers were not that troublesome this week at all. And I know they're going through some stuff. They're going through the growing pains of the early part of the season. They're going to, they're going to get everything together. They're going to be winning games and stuff like that. But right now we've caught them at a point where they're not winning as many games as they would like to win. Uh, Of course, the Bruins are just insane right now. So, um, we had pasta score again. Woo-hoo. And that, that backhand, that, thank you, Boomer, that backhand, that it, it just, he, it's like, he just tossed it like, uh, whatever the fuck. And it went in. It went in. <laughs> I know, Jeff, you didn't get to see the game, but yeah, yeah. it was great. It was great. Um, so Jimmy Vc, who apparently is on his second stint with the uh, Rags, scored. And then the Bruins just said in the third, oh, let's just win it. They they allowed one more goal from Adam Fox. I mean, it seems like a typical game against the Rags now. It's just, it's just a thing that's going to happen, you know. Except the Benajad didn't kill us, which was wild. Usually he's the one to stick the dagger in. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think he's going to take a little more time to warm up. He's going to get hotter during the, the course of the season. So, And the, the Fox goal, if I recall from, from recaps anyway, was kind of fluky anyway, wasn't it? 
I don't remember because I didn't go back and look, but I just, I accepted it as the inevitable. Adam Fox is going to score on you. It's okay. Because uh, they only allowed two goals. Because after after Fox scored, we had Freddie with Felino again. Felino two points on the night. Pretty impressive. DeBrusque with his fourth. And Lindholm, again, 200-foot legend. Empty net. Just launched it. I mean, he's done that twice now in games. He is off to the um, uh, best scoring start of a Boston defenseman since peak Bork. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Montgomery said that Felina was the best forward on the ice and he, uh, he gave him some time skating with Bergeron and Marchand uh, during the third period, notably. That's good. I'm glad that uncle Nick is, uh, is having a time. It's very good. And then last night, the only loss of the week and I have, I have my suspicions on why the team was maybe not as focused. Um, based on the, uh, yeah, because they, they, let's face it, the play last night against uh, the Leafs was um, somewhat uh, listless, shall we say? Yeah. Not even sloppy. Just not even not, not sloppy. Not poor. Just eh. And yeah. In fact, they still closed fairly strong. Like the Leafs didn't get um, like shots off in the last eleven minutes of play or something like that. <laughs> mm. That is the game that I, I did not get to see. I came home and, and kind of tried to watch it, but I was a little distracted. So I didn't really watch it very well because I went to uh, the Pride game last night and they won. Yeah. So it looks like the Leafs are scoring at least three, for the most part, three goals. They they have a lot of games where they score four and five, but most of the time it's three goals. The Bruins kept them to two last night. I think that's pretty good. They were more on uh, more on defensively than they were offensively. Offensively, they just couldn't get it going. Only goal they scored last night was Marshy on a penalty shot, which was technically a power play goal. Yeah, that's one thing that that was one thing. I've never you don't see many penalty shots while a team's on the power play. You see a lot of penalty kill penalty shots. So I wasn't sure it was going to happen because they flashed on the screen on Sportsnet that it was a power play goal. I'm like, so does that mean the power play ends? And it was like a full fucking 30 seconds before they said the power play continues. Mm, yeah, that was confusing. Because I wasn't sure. It's like, okay, if you're calling it a power play goal, shouldn't the power play end? But then it did. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I like it, but okay. <laughs> well, I guess what it is is like, okay, so it's like there was a second penalty, basically. And instead of having whomever tripped him up serve that penalty... Because, you know, he was on a breakaway. He had a very good scoring chance there. I mean, Marshy yeah. on a breakaway is almost guaranteed goal. So the fact that they didn't allow him to goal because they tripped him uh, to goal, <laughs> allow him to score. <laughs> um, they didn't allow him to score because they tripped him up. Automatically, it just became a penalty shot. So it's technically a power play goal because of the penalty itself, but then they continued on with the previous power play or something. I don't know. Anyway, it is confusing, but it's the I mean, only the thing they did. The sheer force of that, um, uh, of that penalty shot broke their one surviving goaltender. <laughs> I saw the way uh, that the, they, 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 the Leafs had to go out and sign a guy, a, a guy, a guy they had on an AHL only contract last night. So they can dress two goalies today because they only had three on NHL contracts. Oh my God. And the only reason they were able to, do, and better yet, the only reason they're able to do that was because they lost Nicholas Albe Kubel on uh, waivers yesterday because they were at the fifty contract limit. 
which means had he not been claimed, the Leafs would be fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, uh, the Capitals claimed him. I saw that. Yeah. Okay, so poor Abe Kubel. He has been all over the map in the last year. That's the second time he's been claimed off waivers, yeah. I mean, he did, you know, win a he did win a cup along the way, so like, you know, you can't be, be you know, you know, too bad bumped for him, but uh Right, right, right. Bruins just didn't have it going last night. They lost 2 to 1. That's not terrible. It's not great. Love Matthews to score two goals, which made me mad. And then, you know, one of them was on the power play, which usually our penalty kill is great, but there's a reason why it could be less than great. But, you know, the good thing is that Krejci returned last night. So that's good. Yes. They've missed him for sure. I can't wait for him to really get going and, and we'll get to see them work it out a little bit more tomorrow night. That's good from that. But now we have to get into the bad guys. Uh, not the bad guys. The bad. I mean, there's a bad guy involved. Maybe a couple more, actually. Like at least, actually, at least three bad guys. Yeah. That's in the ugly part. Oh, I thought the Leafs game was the bad. Okay, we're talking about the injuries for bad. Now I understand what you're going with this. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? It just so happens that the Leafs' loss just blends right into the bad. It's all good. I mean, it's all bad. Okay. Yeah. The bad <laughs> stuff. Ready? Derek Forbert is going to be spending a lot more time with Darla, which is good, but it's also bad because he will not be playing with the Bruins yeah. for four to six weeks. Uh, pro tip, don't break, don't block shots with your hand. Uh, <laughs> oh man oh man i mean the good news is usually broke broken hand even when surgically repaired tend to be fairly short absences all things considered but <laughs> yes short absence absolutely um but four to six weeks is enough it's because he had surger- surgery and a broken finger so like we said the good thing is he gets to spend a lot of time with darla and she'll be very happy the bad thing is he can't play in that time he can skate probably if they want to let him do that he can work out but he he can't play he probably can't hold a stick yeah (laughs) oh not at all no i mean that finger it was probably splinted up and all that shit it does potentially if mcavoy comes back make push it may punt the roster conundrum out a little further if he's going to miss enough games to be on ltir which is 10 games at the little gray area on that timeline I have to actually look at the schedule and count. I might, I might be wrong. You might not be. You might not be missing enough games. Which said, you said two to four weeks. Four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. Okay, if it's the high end, it'll work. Four weeks might not be enough. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, nine, four is ten. Like... Okay, you have to be out until at least the earlier. If okay, so he could go on LTIR if the earliest he would, and, and be back as early as the Black Friday game. Okay. All right. We talked about how David Krejci came back last night and Jeremy Swayman took his place on IR because he is week to week with a lower body injury, presumably a knee, because that's where reporters saw him icing up the other night. Oh, speaking of which, we didn't mention is uh, Uncle Nick taking Swayman's uh, spot in the uh, goalie hug to make sure that can continue because he's an upstanding, uh, I guess he is an upstanding freaking citizen. <laughs> well, now we know that uncle Nick, and that's what we're going to call Nick Felino from now on uncle Nick. Um, we know that he used to give Elvis Merzlikens all the hugs in Columbus. Coincidentally, Merzlikens has not played as well 
since Felino left. But he would give him the, the goalie hugs uh, after a win. They would play an Elvis song and, and it was all exciting and stuff. So, you know, Felino is the last person that either goalie hugs before the other goalie. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he's just waiting until he says, how do you do to the other goalie? Then he's taking Swayman's place. So it's very sweet. I'm so glad that we have and that. It just goes from regular hug to the theatrical hug. That's all. <laughs> Right. The Pens game after that win, they their embrace was long because Nick was just like saying all sorts of good things to him. You know, he was saying wonderful things to him. So I told everybody last week that one of the things that I love about the goalie hug is I love it when men have genuine affection for each other and can show it because we're not always taught that. I mean, even people, just people in general, we're not taught necessarily to show public displays of affection you know, genuine affection. And I just love that, that you have two men who are just like, I just love you. A win for you is a win for me. Yes. Thank you, Uncle Nick, for that, that service. I love it. Yes. So thank you for pointing that out. By the way, I just want to point out last night, went to see the Pride game. They won for nothing. The goalies on the Pride did a whole a goalie hug. Oh, I know. I wish I had taken a picture. So I'm very excited about that. I, I love goalie hugs. I want goalie hugs, like real goalie hugs. And if you can't, you know, the really goalies. best thing about it is this is like this key, the goalie hug evolved during a season when the goalies genuinely split starts too. So they are like in a genuine competition to be the starter and they're still got this bromance going. Right. Whereas like you get team, you know, you, you situations where someone's not even kind of competing to be the starter and they're just indifferent to one another. Hmm. <laughs> Like, I like that. I, I really like that. It's just like, they have every reason to not be buddies, but they are. <laughs> well, I mean, they even talk to each other in the off season, you know, yeah. like, like last uh, or this summer, they would talk to each other like once or twice a week. But that's more than lots of players do with other players on their team. Mm-hmm. It's part of the mutual respect and the strength of character that this team is all about. And by team, I mean the players. And also, just want to get out one more thing before we get into the ugly. Craig Smith is out with a UBI in his day-to-day. Did Does anybody have any idea what that's about? No. I mean, like, he's been shipped. Like, he's had his moments here and his spot moments here. He's not not scored, but, like, he hasn't been any good. He's been a ghost. He hasn't been Craig Smithing the way you expect to. Like, I think time just came for him sometime around mid-April last year. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because yep. it was coming on the heels of a really killer run, right? But again, the man just likes the month of March. <laughs> and it sucks, but like ultimately, like it's like, okay, like, I mean, Smith is a guy you could probably move without too much difficulty when the time comes to move a body. It bums me out. I was so mm-hmm. excited when they signed him. He's my kind of player, even if we just got him too late. That's all. <laughs> How old is he? Like 33 or something? Something along those lines. Two seconds. He is 33. Yeah. Time comes for you, you know, as an well, athlete. There's this thing, right? So, you know, it's, you know, exactly. Not everyone can be, can be Bergeron, Bergeron and Krejci or even Marshy, right? Like, once you hit 30, the clock's run out. It's just a matter of time when, you, when your joints figure it out, right? <laughs> right. Some people it takes fifteen years. Some people it takes literally, literally the entire infathomable de- de- depths of space and time. But that's the Yager and only the Yager. Um, 
<laughs> right. The Yager should consider retiring if he hasn't already. I, I know that he was talking about it, but he plays whenever he wants to. Which is fine. I mean, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he plays not even vaguely full time. He's just, you know, plucking around, plays when he feels like it's like, okay, you're just keeping yourself out of the hall now, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why, I, that's why I think he should retire. Just be a Hall of Famer. There you go. Instead of having a bronze bust of your face, maybe just of your butt. Because he, he's got a big butt. I cannot lie. Hmm. The auger butt's a thing. Like, it's the hockeyest of hockey butts. It is. It is. It's a big butt. So, I mean, just, just retire. Like, like it's we're fun. talking like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, Charlie Coyle's hockey butt aspires to be Yager's hockey butt. And Charlie Coyle's hockey butt's a lot of hockey butt. You know, you know, speaking of physiques, you know what is really incredible to me is that Lindholm, big lanky dude, his thighs are not enormous and neither is his butt. Maybe that's why he's fast. I mean, the really enormous thighs are a small player thing, right? You know, the the, the, the uh, Marty St. Louis being the classic example, and actual steam. Right. Brandon, Brandon Carlo's th- thighs are pretty big. So we're, so we're um, Chucky's. Yeah. I mean, defensemen usually I mean, have, like, huge... But also think about it. There's a frame thing, which is it's interesting that Carlos are because he's he's a bit more he's a bit rangier build. He's a tall man, but he's not an enormous man. Coyle, for example, is a tall man who's also a very big framed, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he could still grow into his frame, really, honestly. Yeah, whereas whereas, whereas Carlos a relatively lanky tall guy. Yep. You know, so. Mm. Just uh, it is interesting that he's rocking the big th- the big thunder thighs, whereas like you know, um, Lindholm is not considering they're comparably proportioned men. Otherwise, yeah, they were. Uh, I just there was a picture of Carlo and and McAvoy sitting next to each other uh, during. I want to say it was development camp or something like that. It might not have been development camp though. It it was like some something where they're both in shorts, and their thighs are just enormous. They're not standing up, so it's not like, but it's just like you could see every single muscle in that leg. And it's just impressive. And I loved it. But it's like... Well, it's like McAvoy's a case example. He's not particularly tall dude. So he's running, we're rocking these, these thighs that make it impossible to knock over. It's built like a fire hydrant. <laughs> mm, mm. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out about Lindholm. He's, he's very like lithe looking but he's a good skater and he's fast for a tall honestly dude. it's a very it's a very swedish swedish defenseman build you know like headman's enormous but he's not built like a house <laughs> be right example right <laughs> you know it's funny lindholm said that he grew up watching the red wings because of all the swedes so when he could see a game because it was hard because it was like in the middle of the night but when he could see a game he really liked the red wings because of all the swedish players which I used to call the Red Wings Little Sweden when I first started watching. <laughs> and said so that would have been after they were, because they were, they were one of the most Russian teams where or, or 80, right? Like the Russian five or uh, it, was, it was a whole thing there. But yeah, I mean, later they became very Swedish. <laughs> well, Lindholm's only 28. Yeah, exactly. He would have been watching Lidstrom. So post Fedosov, Fedorov, et cetera. <laughs> right. As much as I love to talk about the good stuff, and I love this team, I do. They're so fun and exciting to talk about. We have to talk about uh, the ugliest thing. The dumb... 
what the fuck? Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw. So on Friday, the Bruins announced they'd done something in fucking excusable. They signed um, a former 2020 Arizona fourth round draft pick, who is a month later, of course, they renounced the pick and released his rights. <sighs> Mitchell Miller. Now, just a reminder, Miller holds uh, notoriety for uh, having, when he was um, uh, 14, he and another student bullied a um, um, developmentally disabled African-American student, did a variety of horrible things, culminating in um, uh, wiping a lollipop in a urinal and making him lick it, which required, yeah, which required the victim to have to freaking get an STI test. Yes. Uh, they were convicted, in, he was convicted in juvenile court. The judge basically, like, verbally body slammed him over the shittiness of his apology. And many teams had him on their do not draft list. Importantly, as we are about to get to, the Bruins included, as Don Sweeney has admitted since signing him as a free agent. I think the truly astounding part of all of this is that they never checked with the, the family and with Isaiah himself about whether or not Miller had apologized uh, or made any amends. Miller Miller apparently sort of, sort of reached out, apologized in the last three weeks. His first, well, not even, I was about to say meaningful effort. That's not even true. First thing that even kind of passes as a half-assed effort that he's engaged in here. Now, mind you, this happened, he's 20. This happened seven years ago. And his professional career got blown up a year and a half ago over it. Two, two years ago. You think he would have, you think it, there's any number of times where he could have fixed this. And it only happened in the last couple of weeks. Like, even if he fixed it right at, shortly after his professional career got blown up two years ago, I could buy it more. But now doing it now when he's desperately trying to get shit back together. He also prefaced it when he reached out by saying, this isn't about hockey. Which it almost certainly was about hockey. Like, you, like, you go, you say, "Hey, sorry," and I'm not saying sorry because I want to play hockey. Like, what? Yes, you are. Like, like, it was just asinine. But yes, uh, Isaiah's mother, Joni, has been talking to the press because the press has reached out to her, and she said, "Actually, it wasn't Instagram. It was Snapchat, the one that disappears in 24 hours." I'm sure that oh, there was geez. no paper trail, right? <sighs> and two, that no one consulted her. Or the family, or Isaiah, about this possible signing. And we now know that the Bruins have been considering this for months. For months. Now, apparently in the last week or two, they consulted Patrice Bergeron about it. Not just Patrice, but the leadership team in general. So, yep. so Marshawn and uh, Felino, these are the three you've heard from, but presumably, obviously, then guys like Coyle, Carlo, and hey, Carlo, Krejci, various people that have carried the A at one point or another were involved in this uh, in, in this consultation. The question they received when they asked the leadership team was simply, why? Why? Exactly. And, and the reason for this, of course, is this is just for a team that ostensibly values character to a self-destructive excess, by which I mean they've made a lot of really like of really daft trades on account of character, right? They would do this. Remember when we got upset that they traded for Zach Ronaldo and he was the rehabilitation project and that didn't really work out very well. 
And that that is no, not no. anywhere in comparison to what this is, okay? I'm just saying. No, because, like, his off-a-shit healery happened years after he left Bruins. It did happen, like, but, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I really just don't get it. And then to be clear, and then I ask the listeners and my listeners to bear with me on this one. This is going to sound like I'm going somewhere ugly, and I'm not. I am generally uh, disinclined to hold someone hold some against someone who who's 20 for something that they did when they were 14. Likewise, I have reservations about holding someone one's actions when they're 20 against someone when they're 30. People change. We are not the we, we were not the same people we were though who were at these intervals, right? But there has to be a clear demonstration that you're trying to be a different person, that you've grown up, that you've learned, that you're that you are contrite for what you've done, that you feel shame for what you've done. Whereas all we've ever seen from Miller here is shame that he got in shit for it. Yep. He's not contrite. He's He's sorry he got in trouble, not sorry that he did it. I think another thing to remember is that it's not just that this was something that happened in an isolated incident when he was 14. This had been going on for years, years. Now, again, I would be prepared to consider excusing that because, again, the culmination was when he was 14. And again, brick and child, but clearly a being raised awfully. Mm hmm. And again, just didn't change after that. He, he doesn't seem to understand why why what he did was wrong. Right now, is it possible? Is it still possible for him to 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 to, to write this and commit himself to being a better person and contributing? Absolutely, but there's no evidence he's even made it made step made steps that direction. And he really should be doing that before he considers a hockey career. Yeah. Okay. So this is the statement that Cam Neely released because Cam Neely did not speak with the press because we know that Cam Neely doesn't like to speak with the press. He's actually a freaking coward. So listen to the statement. Representing the Boston Bruins is a privilege we take seriously as an organization. Respect and integrity are foundational character traits we expect of our players and staff. Prior to signing Mitchell, our hockey operations and community relations groups spent time with him over the last few weeks to better understand who he is as an individual and learn more about a significant mistake he made when he was in middle school. During this evaluation period, Mitchell was accountable for his unacceptable behavior and demonstrated his commitment to work with multiple organizations and professionals to further his education and use his mistakes as a teachable moment for others. The expectation is that he will continue this important educational work with personal development and community programs as a member of the Bruins organization. The thing I don't like about this statement is that we are basically completely whitewashing what he did. And now we're just saying like, oh, well, we're going to help him because, you know, he's the real victim here. Oh, my God. Which is interesting I just... because a lot of the other stuff that they said, like in their press release, like... It's like, okay, you know, I mean, the press release made it sound like there's been some meaningful efforts. It's been everything since then that's taken it apart, whether it's been dumbass statements from the team or evidence from uh, from, from Isaiah Meyer Crothers' mother. Mm-hmm. They did no vetting. Just, they did, yeah. You know, and, and to, add, to make, make this more humiliating, that statement from Batman yesterday. 
Oh, let me get that statement out. Yes, I want to read that one. I'm going to read it in a serious voice, not in Gary, not not my not doing in, an impression not in Gary of, voice. Not my impression <laughs> not of Wyszynski doing. <laughs> I'm going to read. I'm going to no. I'm going to do it respectfully because this is uh, this is the the uh, the real deal. Okay, so Gary Bettman's statement is is read by his serious press uh, press secretary, not by Bettman himself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Gary Bettman's statement on this is, what I understand and have heard through the media, what the, he did as a 14-year-old is reprehensible, unacceptable. Before the Bruins made the decision to sign him, we were not consulted. I happened to talk to Cam Neely since the time he was signed. He's not coming into the NHL. He's not eligible at this point to come into the NHL. I can't tell you that he'll ever be eligible to come into the NHL. At, if at some point they think... He, they want him to play in the NHL, and I'm not sure they're anywhere close to that point. We're going to have to clear him and his eligibility. It will be based on all of the information that we get firsthand at the time. So the answer is, they were free to sign him to play somewhere else. That's another organization. But nobody should think at this point he is or may ever be NHL eligible, and the Bruins understand that. And then the follow-up question was, what would he need to see more from him? I would need to see a whole bunch of things and understand a lot more firsthand than I do now. So, you know what? I don't always agree with Gary Bettman, but I agree with him here. Absolutely. I like how he's like, I've spoken to Cam Neely since then. And he's free to go play somewhere else. That's another organization. So I... I know that the AHL said that the situation was fluid. I don't know if anybody has any more information on that. There's been nothing yet. Like, but I've seen it suggested like it's going to be awful hard to see AHL president Scott Housen signing off on uh, signing off on him playing in the AHL. So the question then becomes: Does he end up? Does the ECHL say, "Okay, fine, let him play for Maine"? Because frankly, the AHL and ECHL saying no dice is the only way the Bruins get out of this. It is, and they really do need to get out of this. Because then they would be able, to, then they would be able to, to terminate contract unilaterally for cause, right? Right. But otherwise, it has to be mutual termination. And like, it's what the fuck are they thinking here? Like, this is just, this is just, this. I, I just, it just blows my mind. It's like even when things are going well. And I and I know this team base, this fan base is hard on this front office, and rightfully so. But even then, even the hardest on them, I think, routinely, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, routinely underestimate Sweeney and Neely's ability to sit on their own balls. Mm-hmm. You know what you needed to do during this really happy time where everybody's happy? Nothing. You needed to do nothing. Everybody's happy. Just focus on figuring. Just focus on figuring out the coming cap problem. That's all you need to do. You don't need to go sign some some shitty kid. You don't need to do anything but just sit back and watch everybody go, oh my god, the reverse retros are awesome. And oh, Meth Bear. Meth Bear's going to be the Winter Classic jersey. Oh my god. Everybody's so happy about they that. They brought all the ridiculous bears back in one season. And the team was scoring. Everyone was excited. You, you, you've appealed to all parties at this point. And then, then you do this. And here's the thing about this kid. Yes, he just tore the the, 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 the USHL apart. 
at 20 after already having played in the NCAA. Did he get to play? He played a season already in North at Nodak. He was it was his sophomore season. He got oh, terminated. Okay. I think. All right, all right. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what happened here. Hang on, give me two seconds. I can confirm that or deny that. I don't want to you know leave that hanging there if it's wrong. Nope. I take that back. I take that back. Sorry. He returned to Tri City after a year of not playing any hockey. He didn't play any hockey in twenty twenty in twenty 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 one. He was allowed to go to Nodak school. So he went for like a couple of semesters. Okay. Okay, but he couldn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He lost his hockey scholarship and he was cut from the team. Anyway, yes, he absolutely demolished the USHL. He got both player and defenseman of the year. But, you know, here's the thing about that. He did that. I mean, like, I don't like doing the, oh, he did it at 20. It's like, well, yeah, it was like, well, Bill said, well, what about low rates? Yeah, okay, fine. But that's not the point. Yeah, it's just nothing special. This player is not worth it. He's not going to grow up to be Charlie McAvoy. He is not fucking worth it. There are players that maybe you could twist yourself into saying this is worth it. There is no scenario he ever becomes that player. Right. Now, Ty Anderson said that they went out of their way to give him the highest possible salary and bonuses that they could. People keep saying the, uh, the, the, the uh, citing the signing bonuses. The signing bonuses, I thought, are just a very narrow window there, like whatever. But making the performance bonuses eligibility so high, which, again, seems he's apparently never going to play in the NHL. That doesn't matter. But, like, why? I don't know. He's going to get paid in the minors, presumably, if he pay- plays in the minors more than a lot of players who've played longer in the minors. So I, I just I can't go for this. I don't like it. Yeah, so he's getting so he's getting an extra five grand on his signing bonuses because the standard signing bonus is ninety k. He's getting ninety five, and his minor salary is eighty two thousand five hundred. Which I mean, again, we're talking a couple thousand. It's not we're we're, we're it's, it's it's a tight spread, but it's the performance bonuses. It's like why? I don't know. I mean, again, he's not going to see a nickel of the performance bonuses, but those other numbers both matter. <laughs> All I know is that the Bruins need to get out of this. This was a disaster. They weren't ha- – th- there is no amount of PR that they can do to make this good, to make Especially this Especially given how bad this team is at PR. Right. Sweeney came out with a statement. You can watch the interview on YouTube if you don't find it on Twitter somewhere. I watched it. Um, actually, I didn't really watch it so much. I listened and he had a lot of, he did a lot of couching of his words. You know, he kind of went back on some things that he said, and he didn't sound exactly confident in what he was saying. Kind of like how <sighs> Bergie had a similar, not a similar thing. He had a, a, his, his interview when I listened to it, because I did not watch the interview. I think that sometimes I can hear things in voices more than see things uh, in body language you know so uh, you know they they had some similar things but very different things to say uh obviously um but you know i think this is coming down from cam and i think this is bullshit because you know when the kid could have done something to rehabilitate himself not just his image himself the minute he went to court and was told off by the judge that like, I don't believe your since your apology is sincere. That was the moment he needed to work on himself. 
that was the minute that he was like, if I want a real career in hockey, I've got to basically fix all of this and never do this again. And he could have done that on his own because he doesn't need a team helping him through that process. He doesn't need a team paying for his therapy or whatever the fuck they're going to do. He doesn't need that. He can do that on his own. There is no reason for the signing. I'm just so mad. I'm so mad that they they got Bergie. Bergie has to answer to this. You know, Nick Felino had to answer to this. Brad Marchand had to uh, answer to this. We know how Brad Marchand feels about racism because this isn't just a abuse of a, uh, a developmentally disabled young adult. Okay, this is also racist, extremely racist. So we know how everybody feels about this. And the fact that these guys had to come out and say something about their team making the signing. And it's like, how did you say it was, Jeff? How was their, their demeanor? It was very public servant way of answering questions. If you work in public service, generally speaking, if, you're, if someone asks questions, you have to really control yourself. You have to answer the questions while keeping the party line, while also creatively saying what you actually mean. Mm -hmm. Bergeron's interview with Friedman was a masterclass in that. The others were actually quite a bit more direct, in my opinion, in their statements to Fluto. Mm -hmm. The others aren't the captain. The others also are, well, one's a mercenary, Felino, and the other's Marshawn, who can, you know, he's Marshawn. He's, he can only be contained so much. The point is, is all of them were clearly honest enough because um, Mayor Carruthers' mother there, Joni, Joni actually said that she would love to talk to the three of them has no Ooh, interest i did not know has, this and but has no interest in speaking to, to sweeney at this point no no and i'm not even sure it was sweeney who who uh was the instigator of this or any of it but i know that he's towing the line so much that i'm just gonna lump him in with the blame again you know what if you're if you're a yes man you're part of the problem yep you are I mean, again, a little hyperbolic, but you can't break out a Nuremberg defense. No. They're unacceptable. <laughs> Anybody else have anything to say about this? Because I want to expand the thought on this. Okay. No, I think everything has been said. It's, I'm just really, it's, it was a really disappointing thing. I'm, it, it sucks being disappointed in your favorite team. I am appalled. I'm not even disappointed. I am appalled at this signing. I the whole way that they they did this. You, you notice when they they did the press release, they only had a picture of like the bee at the center ice. They didn't have a picture of the player. You know, it took course, me a minute yeah. to to remember his name because I remembered the actions. I just didn't remember his name. And then when I read into it, I was like, oh shit. You know, this team. The you know what? At our worst times with this team, even when they were like knocking into the playoffs and like the team was kind of a mild disaster. You can fall back on it being, on it being upstanding. Right. And now they've now that has been taken from us. Well, now I can separate the, the team, the roster of players and, and that but organizationally, like, you know, yeah. you know, you know, organizationally you could, you could stand by this and now it's just, Oh, now you can't anymore. Oh. You cannot tell me that you have this like culture in your organization of this when it wasn't you guys who built it. It was Chara 
and then Bergeron and passing it on to Marshand and now McAvoy and everybody who comes in here, they pass it on to all of them. Nick Foligno talks about how this was the locker room culture, the culture of the team itself was spoken about far and wide throughout the NHL. Everybody just thought that they were great. I mean, you know, you've heard by now that, that Chara didn't call first-year players rookies. Uh, he didn't uh, allow for hazing because he had terrible incidents of hazing back in Europe. So it's like, how how can you justify this in, in you know, talking about the character of your organization and then you, you sign this, this shit? I, I just don't get it. I get it. People can be rehabilitated, but that rehabilitation is on him. It's not on the team to do it. I'll, I I I get that people can be, but my my thing with that too is if this had happened to my child, there's no way I'm ever forgiving Mm-mm. him at all nope. for doing this. There's like zero chance. Of, so well, yes, people can be. I mean, at four fourteen, there's not very many fourteen year olds doing shit as heinous as he did. And that's my that's my problem. I mean, I've known some kids who've done some really shitty things, but not I, on I, this I, level. I, I don't quite buy that last argument, Tim, but I understand your point. <laughs> I I well, I, I can tell you, I didn't know anyone doing anything like that. Yeah. Or, so it just it's hard. I guess it's just hard for me to believe that the kid's ever going. It's hard to me. It's hard for me to believe that he's ever really going to be rehabilitated this what he did to me just seems like the actions of someone who's just a shitty person and and i don't know i just i i can't i can't reconcile it i really can't so so apparently um incidentally um uh, mitchell is miller is supposed to be meeting with ahl president scott housing on thursday okay to discuss the yeah, conversation will quote this is from a tweet from Jeff Merrick will quote start the process of determining if he can play in the AHL or not. Which like this one just blows my mind. Like it's not even necessarily their due diligence with whether the player had, done, had, had been making amends. The fucking team didn't even confirm if they could send the, if they could actually play this player anywhere. And also, does anyone think that JD Greenway isn't going to hospitalize this fucker the first time they're on ice together in practice? And I desperately hope he does. JD Greenway is a big dude. And I kind of hope, yes, and I kind of hope he does because just to teach him a lesson, just to be like, you do not fuck with people. You do not fuck with people just because you can. Okay. I mean, and and that's a lesson that most people get, right? Like, you know, don't, don't do terrible things to people may have a developmental uh, delay. Don't do terrible things to people because their skin color is different. This is these are very simple lessons, but I will stand by the fact that I feel like you know what if this kid wanted to be rehabilitated and wanted to change his behaviors, he could have done that before. But Joni Myers Crothers said that this behavior continued after the court stuff. So it was before, it was after, and you know what, this guy is just a piece of shit, and he's just not worth the the time the effort and or the money so just you know what let him go away somewhere else i hope the ahl president just goes now nah, we're good i hope the meeting is five I minutes hope the ECA, 
I hope the ECHL president does the same. But on the same token, while I both want the team to be able to get rid of this problem, I also want it to stay so it fucking so so they can't sweep it under the rug. Oh yeah, yeah. So to an extent, if they're stuck like signed to this kid and having him only play in the ECHL, that in some ways might be one of the best scenarios. Hmm. I mean, you know, short of going back to time, short 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 of going back back in time to Thursday and ethering Donna Sweeney and Neely and locking them in a dumpster somewhere. You know what? Actually, maybe the ECHL thing might be a good thing because I could go see him at the Railers and soundly boo him. Put up a sign that says he he's a shitty person. Mitchell Miller, go die in a fire. Uh, I mean, it's like... <laughs> Mitchell Miller, go fuck a goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to, uh, I, I, I would never do that to the goat. Okay. <laughs> Even the theoretical goat. There we go. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I just, you know, I can separate the team as it is and the organization. I'm very upset with the front office. I said that on Twitter the other day. I love this team. I will continue to support this team. But whether or not I'm going to actually buy Bruins things, that's another thing. I will hurt the team in other ways. I love the team. And thankfully, I bought my Swayman and my Lindholm jerseys before this shit went down. But yeah, it, it affects how I look at the team uh, about how much money I want to spend on it. Will I still go to games? Well, yeah, I'll probably still go to games because I'm actually paying somebody who's a season ticket holder to go there and I want to have a good time and I love the team. So I don't look at my money as going directly to the Bruins, but I also... I'm just not inspired to spend like I would. I was thinking about getting my husband a jersey for Christmas. I don't know if I'm going to do that now. I'm definitely getting him a pride jersey. So that's good. But I don't know if I'm going to get this because I just feel like he, uh, not he, but I just feel like this this front office and you know that other people had to sign off on this above them. So I'm just, I'm displeased with them. Extremely displeased. I mean, like, we already knew that Jacobses were fundamentally amoral individuals at best. I wanted but. to think that Charlie was better than that, but I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, this is the one thing, I, uh, the last piece of this that I want to ask you guys. Okay, and then we'll move on. How does this affect the future of Bergeron and pa- Pasternak? Actually, Pasternak, that's his name, Yuck. Bergeron signed a one-year deal to come back for this year, but that, but you know, he doesn't, he's not washed up. He could very well decide he wants to play another year. Every, every contract is probably going to be a one-year deal until both sides decide that they don't want that anymore. And uh, they, uh, but Bergeron had to take some time to think about coming back this year. And then, yay, the vibes are through the roof. Everything's happy and, and wonderful. Bergie's singing Dancing on, on My Own by Robin in the dressing room, and I advise that everybody go look at that footage. It's great. He really loves that song. So now, have you ruined the chances of bringing Bergie back next year if he decides he, decided he wanted to play one more year? He's been very vocal that he doesn't want to play anywhere but Boston. So I feel like if he decides that he can't play here anymore, he'll just retire. Right. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I think if he decides, I think if he decides 
that he doesn't want to play here anymore or that he can't because of what they did, then um, he will retire. But I do worry how it affects re-signing Pasta. Mm -hmm. I worry um, how it affects future free agents coming in. Because, like, I mean, the one thing that we really wanted them to do was uh, re-sign Pasta. Like, that should be, like, number one, re-sign Pasta. And instead of doing that, it seems like they focused their efforts on signing this douche canoe. So, like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, and it's not like, and it's not like the Bruins were hurting for, it's not like they're bad. It's not like he'd make an impact. It's not like Providence needed a player. Like, it's none of that. It's just, they signed this shitty person out of nowhere. And it just seems like, they put so much effort into it, and I don't know how that's going to sit with pasta. I don't know how it's going to sit with free agents because the, most certainly the, no one, well, I would hope no one in the NHL anywhere supports this. So what the fuck? So... Keeping in mind the demographic of most NHL players, mm-hmm. I would unfortunately disagree that a particularly large percentage of players in the league are that incensed about this. Right. They and their PR schemes and their agents are smart enough to make sure they keep their trap shut for the most part. Okay. But remember how many of remember how many uh, the preponderance of uh, uh, of, of 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 NHLers in 2016 were at least nominally Trump supporters. There was a whole freaking Twitter list of NHLers that support Donald Trump. Oh yeah, I'm impressed with your optimism, Tim. I'm, I'm impressed with your optimism, Tim. I really am. It's a little out of character to an extent. So I don't know if that's really going to make a difference on a larger scale. Whether it makes a difference in house right now with Pasternak, that's a different question altogether. Again, I don't know whether any of the rumors about him wavering about his commitment to this team at all in the first place were, were true or not. Can't comment. Don't know. If they were, this can't help it. I will also say, why well, front office had a singular has two urgent, high priority things to be dealing with, and they're putting their fucking energy into this. Yeah, yeah, not needed. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, they can. They absolutely should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. But like signing Pasternak and, you know, queuing up a, a cap and roster solution are both much more important right now. Right. I'm just I'm worried this that this affects the pasta signing in that pasta goes, hey, I don't believe in this signing that you did. And you can make it try to go away. But. I think this is terrible. Or does he just go, you know what? I, I'm going to carry on the legacy of Berkey and Chara, and I'm going to be part of this leadership group and we will not allow that to happen. That, that guy to come in here and do anything. 
you know, there's the that's uh, I like that optimistic view actually. To be honest, it's like you know what, maybe the view is like okay, well, that if management's not going to be not going to be what this team team claims to be, I need to be here being what this team claims to be. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot to be said for for a principled stand. We know Brad's going to keep doing it. Yep. We know Bergeron's going to kind of more or less keep doing it. Remember, Bergeron was one of the first white NHLers to get really vocal about what they were doing moving forward in the early stages of, of uh, in the aftermath of, of George Floyd, right? Right. And and that's the thing that Wish was trying to point out this week in that one tweet of like, how does the organization's signing of this dude square with Bergeron and what he has done personally and professionally? Yeah. And it's a fair point because it's like you basically I feel like you just took your players and threw them under the bus and you, you're making mm-hmm. them answer for your actions. And I hate that because, yeah, Sweeney held a press conference on Zoom. Cam Neely did not. You know, uh, Mark Diver apparently spoke to uh, Mitchell down in Providence because they had some media availability. But there are no specifics on what this kid would have to do or should be doing or whatnot. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like the fallout from the, this, you know, the, uh, the scandal in, uh, it with the, the Blackhawks last year, nothing's happened. They've done nothing. And it's like, and I, I don't know what we exactly expect to happen because the hockey Canada thing, while all of these things are not necessarily related, it's, it's related in the respect of how hockey men primarily deal with this stuff. And that's basically like their solution with Hockey Canada was to have three discretionary funds to take care of claims of sexual assault. So th- they have this attitude of boys will be boys and it's fine, it, even if somebody gets hurt. So I, I just don't know. It, it is a very, very big problem within the hockey circles. I really hope that this whole thing blows up in Sweeney and Neely's faces. I hope the team just can shake this shit off right now and go and play the games they're supposed to play because it's not them. It's not them. It's not their fault. They have nothing to do with it. I still stand with the team. So question for you then. Okay. Ultimately the way this is going from a PR standpoint do you think there's a point where the Jacobs is say, you know what, someone's got to take a fall for this, and for purely PR reasons, regardless of whether or not they signed off on this or not, that Sweeney and Sweeney Neely or both get disappeared? Hmm. I think they would keep Sweeney. I think you got to keep one of them. Unfortunately, do they get rid of Sweeney and keep Neely? Because they so have that special relationship. That, 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 the only catch is that looks so Fall Guy-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it whereas, does. Again, I still, whereas I still stand by, I think Sweeney Unshackled by Neely could be a really good GM. Yeah. I question that, of you, I question that view right now, after the events of the last few days. I think they should absolutely fire Neely, because what does he do? What does he do? Well, well that's... Sit, replace him with someone with actual, an actual businessman to run the business side. Hire a hockey a hockey president, or make Neely, a, or or or, get, or give give Sweeney a unitary office, mm-hmm. and roll with it, right? 
or disappear, Sweeney, hire a business president, promote, um, uh, you know, fail, fail Neely up to president of hockey ops and then make and then make gold or Langenbrunner your, um, uh, your, your, your GM, whatever. Right. Well, I mean, Langenbrunner I is the AGM right now, right? They're both AGMs, right? Yeah. I think because there's multiple AGMs. There, I don't think there's a way. However long, I don't know if it'll be quick. I don't think there isn't a scenario that just doesn't end up in a front office shuffle. The question is when. Right. They need to do it, and they need to fucking hire a woman. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you why. Because women look at optics, okay? And they also look at your oh, organization, and they figure out where the shitty stuff is, and they tell you how to fix it. Now, you got to listen to them. That's the thing. This team definitely needs to invest in their fucking PR office. Holy goddamn fuck. I talked about this after, after again, after the Cassidy firing. They're just fucking tone deaf. Yep. Yep. Hire like a it's woman. It's one thing to make silly decisions, but it's another to have no plan. Right. For how to talk about them. Hire a woman. Better yet, hire a woman of color. That's even better. I, I'm just saying... You need to do something. And I and this is not just an optics thing. You need to hire somebody that you're going to fucking listen to. And that is the whole reason that you're hiring her. So that she can say something that will make you think before you do something stupid. Okay? I'm so I I want Neely gone. I want him gone so bad. Uh, Sweeney, I'm willing to tolerate some stuff because I don't think that he agreed with this decision and Quite frankly, I'd, I'm not sure he agreed with the Cassidy's decision, but he was the guy who became the fall guy for both. So, and and really, hire a woman because they'll tell you how to do things the right way. God damn it. Okay. You know what, guys? I'm sure that we're going to be talking about this in the future. I think we've mm -hmm. talked about it a lot right now. There will probably be more ramifications that we'll think of later. But right now, we're going to move on and talk about the future of the Bruins team, the guys playing on the ice. And what are they doing this week, Jeff? So this week we have, um, uh, there's three games. This is the week of, of November 6th. So they start off tomorrow. That is Monday, November 7th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at the TD Garden against all oh, these guys. By which I mean the St. Louis working the refs team. And their douchebag goaltender. Oh yeah, that guy's a real douchebag. Oh, he did, he he Biddington again this week. Yeah, <laughs> he there was no need to do that. He's Who was the goalie? A, he's he such did a that too. Petulant fucking child. Yeah, yeah, he didn't need to bump shoulders with who was it? I forgot what team it was, but I saw it and I was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, like yeah, fucking child. Yeah, but we get to see Noli, although that makes me sad. So. And and Krug. Which hmm. makes me sad. Well, I just saw Krug the other week because, like, my sister is his child, so or is his mother. <laughs> no. Oh well, okay then, fair enough, I suppose. Well, no. um, <laughs> I swear to God, my sister could be his mother. Yeah, if you say so. Oh, I don't see there. it, but I buy you. I believe you. It's okay. Um, anyway, so then they have uh, two days off and follow that up on Thursday the 10th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also get, get also at home against Calgary. So it'll be visits from Luch and from uh, Ladash. 
Vladar, whatever, how he, however he's pronouncing his name this week. <laughs> it should be Vladash, but it's pronounced Vladar for Vika's Canada. Um, and it was here anyway, because people don't know how to say names and whatever. You had an interesting thing to say about Canadians pronouncing names last night. Oh, fuck's sake. So, okay, so... Don't even get me started on what the changes to the NHL streaming service in Canada are. I was forced to subscribe to Sportsnet now, which essentially gives me access to all sorts of sports. But I no longer have much choice, and I can watch all the games, but I no longer can choose broadcasts. I just get whichever one it says I'm getting. Okay. So last night I'm watching the Sportsnet broadcast of the Leafs, which is just fantastic because it's ostensibly an, an international broadcast. But, you know, Rogers is, part, is half owner of the Leafs, so there's a lot of ball washing going on. But also, they're just steadfastly committed to mispronouncing everyone's fucking name. I heard four different pronunciations of Marshawn. Mm-hmm. I, I call him Marshan because that's what he said originally. I know he's gone to Marshawn, but then he's gone to Marshan. He but, doesn't care. But yeah, yeah I, I know, get but it. I'm just like, uh, or, or Stick to one. Jacob Zabor. Okay, um, uh, uh, there, was, there was a Jacob Zaboral in there. Linus Allmark. Right. Apparently, Zaboral has has said, "Yes, you can call me Jacob Zaboral here." Okay. So, but I will call him Jakob Zaboral because I think that is more true to to to, just like it's Jakob Lauko. I those now, are the two. Now, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly, they were the, the the one name a name I would have excused them for not because the pronunciation is nothing like how it's written. They do pronounce Shalgren's name properly. Yes. I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have gotten that. The Scandinavian languages are really fucking weird about the letter K. They are. They are. It depends on where it is, I think, in the word. Well, it's just why, like, Brady Shea, like, that throws you for a curveball, because, <laughs> interesting, SJA and K, all both of those scenarios, and KJ, all of those make that, make that same make that same sound. So you put them all together, and I guess it makes sense that it does it, too? Yep. Because SJ, like, Sjogren syndrome... Yep. Well, I mean, and, and KJ like and KJ like like Shell Samuelson, and and then just K like Calgren. So like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But like, oh, just, I mean, also that's Norwegian, not Swedish. That's why all my other examples are Swedish. But <laughs> right, yeah. You know what? It is bonkers. Um, I was hoping that Tim was going to come in and say S K and J. That's a nope. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what we call Brady Shea in our house, right? Sketch. <laughs> I remember yeah, when I said that when I said his name was Brady Shea, and we actually played a pronunciation of it on here. You were like, "That's not how it's pronounced." <laughs> <laughs> it's more like that can't possibly be how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we call him Sketch because it's fun. <laughs> so Sketch again. <laughs> Anyway, then on Saturday, 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at Buffalo. Honestly, like, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a Buffalo game. Buffalo sounds like they're a lot of fun right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more importantly, it sounds like everyone there is having fun, which is a real fucking shift. I think they should have fun. They're playing a kid's game as adults and getting paid good money for it. You should absolutely have fun. And if you can mm -hmm. win, that's even better. And like Tage Thompson, apparently still doing the thing. Like I, I don't know, everyone thought that that wasn't there was no scenario he repeated last season. But like, okay, maybe maybe he's legit. Good for him. Good for him. But you still have a stupid name. I'm sorry for you. 
<laughs> I'm still kind of blown away, though. How could someone be a shitty bottom six wing and be an excellent top six center? I don't know. I don't know. Just being misplayed, I guess. Just getting. Um, and then because it'll and because it'll happen before we get the next episode out, we follow that up back to back at home against the Vancouver Jacks. Jackson- Oh, Jack Studnika. You know, when we were talking about him, we he was kind of an afterthought. And I felt kind of bad about it, but we had a lot to talk about that was fun. And that was not fun. So, yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, uh, given those games, guys, let's just do a soft prediction on what we think will happen. I think if the team gets their head back together, I- I'm going to say three and one. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm not confident enough to go 4-0, but I'm going to say 3-1. I think the game that's going to give them a tough time is... You know what? I'm going to go with the Canucks game. It's a back-to-back. That's going to give them a hard time. I mean, the Canucks are a bit of a clusterfuck, though. Honestly, I got guy grew to three and one. I think they're going to come back and, and, and do better against St. Louis. You know, um, among other things, Monty's first uh, my game coaching against his most recent team. Yep. The survivors from that from, from that cup final, which actually isn't a particularly high percentage of this team, I was thinking about recently. I'm like, wow, that's pretty recent, and that's just a lot of turnover. But anyway, well, you know, want revenge. Some guys will be jolly because they'll just had lunch with Tori Krug. Aww. Calgary's been sort of stumbling, you know, I mean, because Huberdo, I think, was kind of overrated player going there, which doesn't surprise me. I think it's going to be Buffalo that they lose to. Oh, I mean, that could happen. I'm excited to see this now. And what I don't do you... even think I'll be mad. And I don't even and I don't even think I'll be mad. I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to be mad if they lose a game this week. I'll be mad if the the actions of the organization, the front office affect this team going into this week and they lose more than they win. That's that's what I'll be mad about. So, uh, Tim, what do you think? I think they go two one and one. Mm, okay, all right. Let's break down. I think they lose to Buffalo um, in overtime. I think that's the overtime one. And I and I don't even think they lose in overtime. I think it's I think it goes to a shootout. Okay. And they lose the shootout, which isn't really a huge deal because um yeah it's not a huge deal and i think they uh fall to the uh calgary dan vladashes oh okay um so i think they go two on one um but it's not a bad thing i mean they're still doing well i'm not i wouldn't be i wouldn't be pissed uh, I just want them to kind of – I want them to just get their heads right and everyone in the locker room to kind of get their mind right after the shittery and just go forward if they can. Yep. Yep. I think that sounds good. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It'll be fun. Maybe maybe we'll get some listeners telling us what they think too. Ooh, it'll be fun. Ooh. Okay. All right, Jeff. Do you think you can do the thing? You're listening to barely on top. You're listening to barely on topic. You can find us on uh, wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Talk to us on Facebook, where at barely on topic podcast, and on on Twitter. As long as Twitter continues to exist, a little gray area at the moment. We'll work on that. Um, 
barely on topic. And of course, there are individual Twitter accounts. I am at Dr. Hengrenade. <laughs> I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at 200footlegend.org. Also known as FBA from RI. I got it right two weeks in a row. You can't you can't hold me to doing it three oh, weeks you in just, a row. You, you just do this to fuck with me now. Okay, I see. I understand. It's so, fun. You just don't trust the others to actually correct you. No, I just got it right. Just two weeks in a row for some reason I got it right. I had to think about the first one. I had to think about it. Like I was really hesitant with it. Right, Tim? Right. Yeah. But last week I got it like on the first try. <laughs> All right, Tim. Word.